Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much. If you heard a word from the Lord while she was singing, would you say amen? Christ invites us in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus said. And he invites us in. Well, today I want to um, ask you to turn in your Bible to the Gospel of John chapter 14 as we begin a new series of messages from the Scriptures here on the promises of God. I'm trying to cover five of the promises of God. God promises today to never abandon us. God promises never to abandon us. And I thought it was interesting that um, I had not read the Sunday School lesson yet, but one of the scriptures that's covered in the Sunday School lesson uh, it goes very, very well with uh, our text for t today. Now, while you're finding John 14, let me encourage you. Um, I want to thank Tara for putting together, organizing, and getting um, all that needed to be done to have the uh, secret church here Friday night. Uh, that was a very, very intense seminary-level uh, lecture on the topics of the day by David Platt. And uh, we had about 10 folks here, and we should have had 50. And so we're going to, uh, I believe, try to do that again uh, before May is out. We're licensed to keep that uh, live stream going until the end of May. So... What we'd like to do is offer it again, and uh, you'll be watching for the announcement on that. And let me encourage you, attend this secret church session as he talks about the subject of who am I? Who am I? It's the doctrine of humanity. And that answers, as we answer that question, who am I, that answers a lot of the cultural uh, misconceptions that are out there uh, that we have to answer today, and uh, Dr. David Platt answers those questions. He's a very, very intense speaker. He preaches very fast, uh, and he has a Bible quote after every sentence that he says. I mean, it's very, very intense. But you will be blessed. You will be blessed. It is truly, truly amazing. Now, one of the emphases of the secret church that led to this concept was that there is a church meeting in secret somewhere around the world 24 hours a day. Somewhere people are gathering together in secret because it is illegal for them to openly worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Or it's illegal to be a Christian in that country. And so the country of emphasis this time was Afghanistan. And we had uh, speakers from Afghanistan that shared with us their testimony of the persecution in that country. And, uh, for example, there might be one Bible per household or per church. Uh, that Bible would be hid in a cave somewhere out of town. And uh, when it came time on a Sunday night or a Monday or whenever they had their worship, uh, they would meet about 12 o'clock in the evening. And they would go um, uh, 12 o'clock at night. And they would go and find that Bible and bring it to the group and read it from 12 midnight until the next morning and study God's Word. That's how uh, persecution um, is, is dealt with. Now, we don't have to do that today. We are out, you know, uh, we can worship as we please. Uh, we have that freedom in our country, but a lot of people around the world do not. And so we partner with them in the idea that we meet 
and a focused and a concentrated period of time uh, to study God's Word. And so this lecture that uh, David Platt gives lasts six hours. It is six hours long. But we broke, and, uh, broke it up two or three different times for hot dogs and popcorn and that sort of thing. And uh, we made it, made it through the night. Uh, so uh, we'd like to do it again. And when you see it advertised, mark it on your calendar. And just say, I'm going to try this. And if you can't stay the whole six hours, then uh, go on home when you can. But I think once you get started, uh, you'll be brought into the lecture. And uh, it is so timely. Um, particularly the issues of sexuality and sexual identity which is a confusing topic today for many, many people. And, uh, but he hits all those topics straight on. Racism, uh, he talks about abortion, all the hot topics that uh, people are discussing in the public square, uh, he covers in his lectures uh, in that broadcast. So let me encourage you to take advantage of the next opportunity for Secret Church. Secondly, um, those of you who are newly retired, uh, you think, well, I'm not old enough to be in the joy group. I'm just fully, I'm newly retired or pretty near retired. Um, this group is going to meet again uh, on the last Thursday of May. They meet the last Thursday of the month. And uh, during the cold winter season, uh, we, missed a, we missed a time or two, and COVID shut us down for a time. So we're trying, to, we're trying to get started back again. And we had a great group here this Thursday of this week. And let me tell you, the food is just awesome. Isn't that right, Ruth? Ruth brings that banana pudding. Let me tell you, the, uh, the, the food is just amazing. And it is really good. Now, we're going to have a special treat in May. Last Thursday of May, um, Carol brings her coconut pies. Oh, my soul, my soul. Um, you, just, you, just, you guys are missing out, I'm telling you. Uh, you think, well, I'm not, I'm not old enough. Well, David Barker, you are old enough to come. Uh, you, you really are. Um, Donnie, you and Teresa, y'all need to come. Uh, Steve Chisholm back there, you, you need to come, brother. Uh, Chapman, rather, you, you, you need to come. Um, a lot of you guys have just retired, and, and you think, well, I'm, I won't fit in. Yes, you will. And if you like Southern Gospel music, um, the, Mar the May meeting, we're going to have a Southern Gospel Quartet here. They are from uh, LaRue County, uh, a group of retirees led by Steve Skaggs. Stephen Skaggs uh, is actually kin to Ricky Skaggs. He's very gifted in music, playing the piano, uh, singing as well. And this quartet is top-notch. They really are. So we're going to have lunch at 1130, and then we're going to listen to the quartet. So um, what do you call it, the Dinner Theater? The Joy Dinner Theater. Yeah, this will be the Joy Dinner Theater in May, the last Thursday of May. Okay? Whew, I'm wore out with all the pro promotions I'm trying to make today. Y'all heard the story about the pastor. He'd go downtown like had a railroad track going through town like we do here. And the pastor, every day, he'd go down there when the railroad, tra when the railroad train came through, and he'd sit there and he'd look at that train. Every day he'd look at that train. And next day, right on time, the train came through, and the pastor would go down there, and he'd, he'd watch that train go through town. And uh, somebody asked him, said, Pastor, why do you come down here and watch that train go through town? He said, that's the only thing that comes through this town that I don't have to push. 
and I feel like that sometimes, but that's my job to promote, to get you interested. Um, I do need to ask Miss Betty, how many did we have in Sunday school today? Over 100. 137? Great. All right. That sound right, Dave? No? Yeah? 117. 117. Well, praise God for the 117 today. I thought we might be down just a little bit, but, um, but that's very, very, very good. I remember when 80 and 90 was a strong number. All right, let's read the text today. Let us pray before we begin and focus our hearts and minds on the Scripture. <clears throat> Father, we do thank you for your word that we are free in this country to read the word of God, study the word of God, worship the Lord, to adhere to the scripture and live out our beliefs. And Lord, you've made promises to us in your word, promises that are true and that you are faithful to keep your word and your promises to us. You're the God who keeps promise. You're the God who keeps covenant with your covenant people. And even when we are unfaithful, you have proven to be faithful. So we praise you, Lord, for your love and your mercy. Help us to understand what thus saith the Lord today as we read this scripture, because we all deal with this anxiety called abandonment. And help us, Lord, to find rest in you rather than fear and anxiety. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 18. Um, we read 14 earlier, uh, yet, uh, last Sunday. Feels like yesterday, <laughs> last Sunday. And uh, we're talking about Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But if you keep on reading through this chapter of John, Jesus said to the disciples uh, in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. We live east of Eden, meaning we live post the fall um, due to the sin of Adam and Eve, who were dismissed from the garden and lived in east of Eden. And ever since we've been forced from the uh, the good house of God, where God provided everything for our nourishment, uh, we have been feeling this sense of abandonment. Abandonment is a common, universal, everybody in the world deals with it, fear and anxiety. It's built within us because we have inherited this nature of sin. Sin has created in us a sense of guilt, and we wonder when the other foot will drop and when will we receive a just punishment for our sin. And we are afraid that we will be abandoned. There are many, many people today who because of the sin of war have been abandoned. You have seen on the TV screen where children and families rushed to the train station in Ukraine. Uh, they pushed these kids onto the train, hoping that they would have a future somewhere, and the train just, just leaves. And the parents are not able to get on the, on the train. Maybe they can be, uh, you know, met up 
sometime in the future, but just hope and pray that somebody will adopt and take care of these, uh, these abandoned children. And it is because of sin again. It's because of war. It's because of uh, pride and arrogance uh, that uh, we are dealing with this thing called abandonment. And it is a common fear. Some people have dreams about abandonment uh, and, and wake up in the middle of the night in fear uh, because some dream has recalled this common existential anxiety called abandonment. It is a common fear. It is a common anxiety among men all around the world, not just to American culture, but all around the world. And so you see this theme of God's unfailing love and covenant love balanced with our fear of abandonment all throughout the Bible because it is just, it is just that common. Uh, there are many, many studies about children who were born, and some children were uh, taken care of and nurtured. Uh, their diapers were changed. They were held. They were burped. They were, um, they were uh, nourished and other children that did not receive this kind of love. And the ones who received the nourishment went to live a productive life. The ones who did not receive this nourishment did not live a productive life. So it's very, very important that we overcome this anxiety called abandonment. How do we do that? Well, the answer lies in our relationship with God. Number one, God made you just like you are and loves you just like you are you are not an accident i think this evolutionary idea that we somehow just appeared in the world as an accident has led and fed if you will this concept of abandonment this existential anxiety and i think that the population of our world has taken on that that myth that we are somehow an accident uh, we just appeared here. And that we have no, no identity, no course or direction in our life. And the scripture says very clearly in the Psalms that we are beautifully, we are wonderfully handcrafted by a loving and faithful God who loves us and wants to nurture us and have a relationship with us. And we bear in our body we bear in our body a very soul that was breathed into us the breath of life, and we became a living nephesh. That word nephesh is Hebrew for the word soul. We became a living soul because God has breathed into us what we need the most, our daily breath. So even the Lord's Prayer addresses this idea of abandonment. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, we trust you. We depend upon you. Uh, give us this day our daily what? Our daily bread. God provide for us and provide what we need. Now that concept of God providing for his people rather than abandoning his people came to a crucial climax in the book of Exodus in chapter 16. And I want to invite you to turn there with me and uh, read along as I read aloud from the book of Exodus chapter 16. The setting here in Exodus 16 is about the wilderness wandering of God's people when they left Egypt. And uh, after they crossed the Red Sea, they were in the 
a wilderness, and uh, it defines the region where they are here. And uh, when they got out there, they ran out of food, and they ran out of water. Now, it was God's idea that they be delivered. It was God's idea that Moses be their leader. It was God's idea that he would take care of them. You just come and follow me. Now they end up in the wilderness, and they're out of bread, and they're out of water. What to do? Will God provide? Now, sometime in your lifetime, you have trusted God. You have said yes to what you believe is God's will for your life. And the days got thin for you. The days got thin for you. Um, I've experienced that. Uh, I believe that when I was called to preach, God gave me a scripture, Matthew 6, 33, because I had lost my mother, I'd lost my grandmother, I'd lost the home place. Uh, everything I knew as security was gone in 1970. And so uh, God, in that experience, called me to preach the gospel and gave me that verse of Scripture, Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that the world is anxious about will be added unto you. And I claim that Scripture. And um, all went well. I went on through college and did fine and, and got to seminary. And when I got to seminary, it, life got thin, <laughs> real thin. Uh, you talk about, you ever heard the expression of starving seminary student? I was one. I was one. And so things got real thin. And uh, I began to seek the Lord and ask him, you know, have you abandoned me? Lord, have you forgotten me? I remembered I, I kept in my desk a $100 bill that I had, don't tell anybody, but I copied it. <laughs> and uh, spent the $100, but I kept a copy of it under my desk. Um, my desk had a padding on the top, and underneath I kept um, a, a big sheet of uh, Greek terms, the en Greek endings, trying to uh, memorize the Greek Greek en endings. I, I loved Greek, and, uh, but I had a little cheat sheet there I would use. And uh, on top of that, underneath that padding was that fake $100 bill. Well, I kept that thing for years and years. And as long as I kept, now I'll tell you where it came from. During my senior year of college, I accepted the invitation to preach a weekend revival and, uh, in Reedheimer, Louisiana. And at the end of that um, uh, weekend, I was shaking hands with folks as we went out. And this guy put what I thought was a $10 bill in my hand. And I put it in my coat pocket and told him, thank you. I got to the parsonage, and I reached in my, my coat pocket to take out that $10 bill, and it was a $100 bill. And I said, uh, I went to the pastor, and I said, Pastor, this man's made a mistake. This man owned a lumber yard there. He cut trees down, and he turned it into lumber and that sort of thing. And uh, he said, no, that man don't make that kind of mistakes. And when he gave me that, what I thought was $10 bill, he said, this is to help you to go to seminary. I had not even announced that I was going to seminary, but somehow he knew that, perhaps through the pastor. And so I kept that, and I kept it under my desk. All through the years, once in a while, I'd see that $100 bill again, and I'd remember that God is not going to abandon me. I'm claiming Matthew 6:33, and here's physical evidence that when I had nothing to go to school on, had no money in my wallet, had no money in the bank, uh, just enough to pay for my dorm and my, and my college uh, 
uh, tuition, um, here was that $100 bill to remind me that God's going to take care of you. Well, I ended up taking it to uh, seminary and then kept it. And when I pastored up in Louisville at Parkland Baptist, I kept it there. And when I retired, I cleaned out my office and I forgot it. I left it under the desk. And I got a call one day from my secretary. And she said, I don't know if you know it or not, but there's a $100 bill up here under your desk. What do I do with it? I said, well, don't try to cash it. <laughs> Number one, don't, don't try to cash it. It's a, it's a copy, but I'd be glad to keep it. I still got it to this day. As a visual image that God is going to take care of those he calls. Those he calls, he provides. And he's called you and me to follow him, to be faithful, to be a steward, and he will provide. Now, if you don't trust him enough to be a steward, you're going to find life getting real thin. You're going to owe everybody money. You're going to be in debt all the time. Uh, life's going to be difficult for you. But if you'll just learn to tithe. I tell people, if you want to get out of debt, start tithing. You will get out of debt. Because all of a sudden, your priorities change. Your want-tos change. Your need-tos become apparent to you. There's a lot of things you thought you needed. You don't. And the joy of giving is restored to you so that um, your want worm is not as active as it used to be. And so I tell people, if you want to get out of debt, start tithing. And sure enough, you will. And God will help you to stay out of debt as well. And so who's the guy that speaks about uh, tithing on the radio program? Dave Ramsey. Uh, what Dave, Dave Ramsey will tell you. Tithe and you will get, get out of debt. It will happen. So in Exodus chapter 16, the people of God are in the wilderness and it's, times are getting thin and they've trusted the promises of God and they're wondering if God is going to provide or not. And verse 16, uh, chapter 16, verse 1 says, Then they set out from Elam and the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 14th day of the second month after their departure from Egypt. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against their leaders, Moses and Aaron, in the wilderness. What were they grumbling about? Well, we'll find out in verse 3. The sons of Israel said, What that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the posts of meat, when we ate bread to the full? For you brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. As long as we stayed in Egypt, we had plenty to eat. We had bread and we had meat, and we were surviving. Now you've taught us, you've uh, uh, called us, challenged us to trust you and to trust God and to be delivered, and here we are starving and thirsty. And then the Lord spoke to Moses. He said, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. So on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said all to the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble also against us? So our grumbling when times are thin is a way of pointing to God and saying, You're not faithful. 
you're not faithful. And that's as much a disfigurement of the truth of God as anything you can possibly imagine. Because number one, remember, God made you like you are. Number two, God loves you like you are. If God loves you because he made you, he's going to take care of you. Fourthly, you have to let him take care of you. You have to let him provide for you. You have to let him be your God. You have to let him take you in the direction that he wants for your life. And when you do that, you are keeping covenant with a covenant God. Our God is a covenant-making God. Our God is a covenant-keeping God. Nowhere is that greater demonstrated than on the cross of Jesus Christ. It is God's faithfulness to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, that kept covenant with the Father until His very dying breath. God kept covenant with us. Now, we continued to sin against Him. We were enmity between us and God, but God kept covenant with us. The Bible says, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even in our sin, God kept covenant to redeem us and to save us by sending Christ to die on the cross. That's why the passage in uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 5, says, Make sure that you are free from the love of money. Make sure that, that you're not trying to be the sole provider of your life but that you have made room for a covenant God who loves you and wants to provide for you. Be content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. I will never desert you. I will never forsake you. I wonder if we could just bow our heads for a moment. I wonder if we could just meditate a little bit on this passage of Scripture and I would invite you to whisper with me this prayer. Lord, you will never desert me. You will never forsake me. Let's whisper it together. Lord, you will never desert me. You will never forsake me. Lord, you will never desert me. You will never forsake me. I pray that that has renewed a little bit your love for the Lord and your relationship with the Lord and let it be a covenant renewal on your part to pledge every day, Lord, you will never forsake me. You will never desert me. And then go to sleep. Take a nap. Get some rest. Because God gave you the right to rest. That's what Shabbat is all about. Let's stand together, if you will. For some of you today, today is the day you need to come and give your life to the Lord Jesus, to let Him be your Lord and your Savior and follow through in believer's baptism. Some of you to unite with our church from a sister church, uh, we invite you to come. Father, we thank you for your unfailing love. We thank you, Lord, for your covenant love that keeps covenant even when we were unfaithful. We thank you, Father, for being there for us and taking care of us when we couldn't take care of ourselves. Thank you for the milestone reminders that you've given to us to go back and remember as the Scripture 
retells these stories of the wilderness wandering when they ran out of bread and they ran out of meat and they ran out of water that even though they grumbled you provided graciously compassionately mercifully God we know that you're the same God today as you were yesterday and you will be also even tomorrow be praised and glorified Lord by our decisions now in Jesus name I pray Amen You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.